0: Why, hello, and welcome. Welcome to the Peer Pressure Podcast. I am Diane, sometimes known as Diane Kamikaze, and I am your host. The reason why I do this podcast is because I like to say I am a champion of heavy music. I've always found my favorite songs since I was a young kid, had riffs, hooks, were either metal, hardcore, hard rock, or punk, or something fairly aggressive in attitude and sound. And I am all about appreciating the people that keep that world going. Whether they're musicians, webmasters, other podcasters, record label and festival owners, it's important to me to recognize what these people do in that realm of music. So, I am here to bring them to you in a different context, more than a Wikipedia entry or a press release, a little more personal and a lot more fun. I'm a rocker for life, and I hope these episodes do make a difference. Send me feedback at diane at wfmu.org. And my Facebook page is Diane Kamikaze Farris, Rocker for Life. Like my page there, and I will keep everybody updated on podcast episodes in that space. Thanks so much for listening, and stay tuned. And my guest today is Jonathan Cummins. Most recently in uh, USA Out of Vietnam. Was in the Doughboys years ago from Montreal. This was aired in August of 2012. And right now USA Out of Vietnam is uh, taking a hiatus. He's got a power pop band that has no name. But look for him anyway. He is a contributor to Cult Montreal, a writer, and still really has his finger on the pulse of the Montreal music scene. Welcome, Jonathan Cummins. And it is time for the peer pressure segment of the program. And I believe I'm talking to Jonathan Cummins. Are you there, sir?
1: Hello. Well, hello. How you? you know I
2: really wanted to do. I really wanted to just have the radio really loud so for the first five minutes you could go sir could you turn down your radio <laughs> it's a classic
0: I'll say that anyway sir can you turn down your radio
2: oh, no can you, you. turn da- now Actually, I can sleep at night
0: I'll ask all, all the listeners can you all turn down your radios no we don't we don't want to no. go there no turn up yes please so so how are you
2: I'm doing really good. I, I've been such a fan of the station and 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 your show for so long that it, this is easily one of the best things I'll be doing this year.
0: I think. Oh, this year there's plenty of time left in this year to top That's this. True,
2: it's true. so far that this is the peak.
0: Okay, well, I'm sorry that your year's been a little sluggish then so far. Uh uh-huh. And thank you for being here, though. Hey, and oh, so yeah. I, I have to ask you right away. In that last piece, uh, you are a comet. You are on fire. Who is speaking in that piece?
2: That was me interviewing, uh, uh, this is a little convoluted, that was me interviewing our ex-bass player's ex-girlfriend's father. and It was actually, I shouldn't be giving it up because we were trying to make it as obtuse as possible. Oh, okay. It was just more of an emotional thing, but that was him talking about the birth of his daughter, who was the girlfriend of our (gasps) ex-bass player. Interesting. But I edited me out of the interview, and anytime he was specific about mentioning his daughter's name, we would edit that out as well.
3: Mm-hmm. He's,
2: really, he's really an amazing person. Um, his name is Ron Jameson. He's a painter here in Montreal. Um, and he's also you know he's an older gentleman, but he has a, a DJ. night uh, once a week here, and he's, he's just a really amazing person yeah so it was actually because i just kind of did that as an aside and i was going to do that for for more like an ambient thing i was doing on my own and then about halfway through i was interviewing him i realized okay i have to like build a song around the spoken word thing Mm. i guess it's kind of godspeed light the whole idea i was worried that people were just going to think we were ripping off godspeed or something but
0: well, no. Whatever. Yeah, no. It's a it's an interesting piece, and uh, I mean, it does. I can see how it would lend itself to a to a completely ambient thing, also.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a pretty he's a pretty awesome. Dude. He actually comes and sees us, and he almost started crying during that interview. Oh. It, it was like, yeah, it was it was really awesome, and he's actually come to see us live before, and and before we ever played him the song we were like oh you have to come to the show and he, he goes right up front and he's just like all smiles and stuff just a really positive person and then we never told him that we were playing live and it was a bunch of people there who was playing with um his man handsome furs we run sub pop for a while and then his voice of course took over the entire room and, and he almost completely lost it wow in a positive way yeah <laughs> it was, yeah it was pretty awesome
0: So, because my next question was are, do you use the sound bites in your live performances and that is uh,
2: yeah we're, we now have so much gear and, and we, we just got we're just getting a new sampler now And so yeah it's because we still play a lot of DIY spaces and it, it can be a little bit of a nightmare with all of the the instruments and, and we have guests when we play in Montreal and stuff so it, yeah it's a little crazy yeah, we, we definitely use all the. There's a lot of drone kind of stuff that, that we use that we'll, we'll put in loops for the live show throughout
3: the
0: mm. like, entire song. Cool. So how long has USA Out of Vietnam been together? You know,
2: a ridiculously long time, but it's only in about the last six months that we've actually went, okay, we should start playing shows. Uh, we finished the record. We were just really... I mean, originally, the, the band was just supposed to be only a uh, a recording band. And and then we just slowly started doing shows. But it, we, I mean, it's only now that we have, like, a really solid lineup. So I think we lost a lot of traction. I think we've been together for, like, three years. Oh, good. I mean, basically, yeah, basically, uh, you played Bionic in the last set. And um, that that was my last band. And uh, basically, as soon as that band... Of packed it up. I mean, I think I was in the rehearsal space like the next day later, trying to get this thing going.
1: Oh wow! Well,
0: yeah. you you certainly are driven, and uh, I actually have a, a, a listener a couple of listener questions for you, if you don't mind.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: Um, It, it, quote, it says on the internet that you had some involvement with Circus Lupus, and uh, we wanted to get a little bit of...
2: Yeah, but, you know, okay, this is... Okay, here's an interesting story. (laughs) Here's some great radio. Uh, Because I I am a fan of Circus Lupus, and we're on Discord, which I'm sure most, most people are thinking. I was in... I'm originally from Toronto. I live in Montreal now. I played in a band called Circus Lupus, Circus Lupus—the name came from an SCTV skit, and it was it was uh, Joe Flaherty and, and Eugene Levy, and they're like, "Win tickets to Circus Lupus, the Circus of the Wolves," <laughs> and and we just went, "Oh, that's such a great," name and it was you know an inside joke that me and my friends who I grew up with, because we were SCTV fanatics, so we formed this band called Circus Lupus, and my sister moved to D.C and was very much, like, part of that whole Discord kind of scene, I guess, in, like, the late 80s, I think.
0: Yeah.
3: Like,
2: 80s, yeah, 87, or when Circus Lupus started. Sure. And she lived in a house with Circus Lupus, and she had uh, posters up for, of Circus Lupus playing with, like, The Accused or, or whatever, because we played with a lot of touring bands at the time. Mm-hmm. And they were looking for a name and they're like, oh, that's such a cool name. And he's like, y-. and my sister was like, yeah, that's my brother's band. And they're like, oh, what do they sound like? And she's like, oh, I don't know. They broke up. And so, belittle It, Circus <gasps> Lupus. Really? Yeah. You think I should funny. sue them?
0: Uh,
2: no. Because no, no. I, then I heard that record with the one with the Zippo lighter on it. Yeah. That circus, And I was like, wow, these guys are really good and we were really terrible <laughs> so I guess, I guess they deserve the good name
0: there you go well you know you, you have your way of, uh, of making your contribution in music even if it's not with music even if it's yeah. with band names yeah. another listener commented on uh, when I played USA out of Vietnam before said this sounds like a cross between Neurosis and the Beach Boys and uh, she wanted to know who, uh, what your musical influences are
2: uh, okay, well, my as, just like you probably, and mine are so varied. Yeah, I guess I, I always describe. I, I, that's pretty good though. Neurosis meets Beach Boys.
0: Yeah, that is what she said. I, yeah.
2: I, I mean, I love both of those bands. So that would be like, that's amazing. Um, <laughs> I always just say ELO meets Suno. I I, I I I love. Oh, no. Actually, I know. Actually, I, when Stephen O'Malley, I think, was doing his peer pressure a couple of months ago.
3: Yeah, yeah. That
2: was that was an awesome show. And I just saw Stephen O'Malley with Tim Hecker in a cathedral during uh, this electronic festival about three weeks ago, and it was just mind-blowingly good.
0: Oh, I'm sure. Wow. And
2: and ELO, I've I've become I've become obsessed with. I just think that Jeff Lynn in, in the era of like out of the blue, and I just think he's just such an utter genius. And I've gone back and, and found all this other Jeff Lynn, like his first band, The Idol Race. I I'd finally found this, this compilation of their two records. ELO was definitely a huge influence when we were doing the record. I mean, not that I, not that any of us are even close to Jeff Lynne. I mean, and yes, he, he does stink now. But I mean, like you know, 70s Jeff Lynne, I just thought was oh yeah. Just complete craft and, and just um, just a genius. Yeah, and Stephen O'Malley's not so bad either.
0: Stephen O'Malley has got that that, that genie is thing going on as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the
2: Roses have a new record coming out in the next like month and a half or something. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really excited about that too. Cool.
0: Because your your taste is so vast, I guess I want to ask you about like really really far back. Were you raised in a music friendly environment?
2: Mm. Uh, like with my parents, yeah. Um, I guess uh, I guess it's probably similar to everybody. I mean, I was a music fiend ever since I can remember. I mean, AM radio underneath the pillow, the whole you know all the cliches <laughs> uh, that you know. I was like really into like like as a little kid, I was like really super into um, you know whatever. The, the, the hit parade was the you know early seventies. I'm 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 like about I'm turning forty six this year, so y- you know I mean I was I was thankfully around like you know I heard the raspberries and stuff on the radio and, and stuff like that. Um, and I guess it was you know I guess once punk rock kind of came calling, you know I remember seeing the Sex Pistols uh, on the news with my parents and stuff uh, when they first came over that the the, the the uh, the U.S. tour, and then they showed them at the airport, and I was really into Kiss at that time. But, <laughs> but there was still that disconnect. Like Kiss were like they weren't even human. You know, I was buying the comic books, and right. You know, I was like, you know, ten years old.
0: Right, and but they what, were really the what, God of Thunder, and that whole. Yeah,
2: exactly, and that. But then, you know, y- you know, but like seeing the Sex Pistols, it just it just seemed so real, and I didn't even know what they sounded like but i knew i was gonna like and the first time i ever went downtown by myself i think it was like 12 maybe 11 or 12 on a subway in toronto Mm
0: -hmm. and
2: i bought the import copy of Nevermind the bolox oh wow and i remember thinking oh this is what heavy metal sounds like Uh uh-huh and i was so young i was like you know the, the swearing part in bodies i just kept playing for my friends like over and over again. I'm like, check this out. This is what heavy metal is. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and so then after that, it was these kind of stoner friends that were like a little bit older. Like, yeah, I guess I started smoking pot at a really early age now, that I think about it. But we used to go over to his, his basement and the, and there would be like, you know, there were older guys, but they could barely play either. I think the drummer could play but, and there was a bass there, and I remember the first time I ever played with anybody like played music was we did Wicked World off the first Black Sabbath record, nice. but we only did just the riff.
0: Oh, okay.
2: And and we did Blitzkrieg Bob, and then I, I was just I was like, okay, I you know I was just hooked after that.
0: Yeah, yeah, I can play because I mean because
2: it, it, they didn't have that thing like like. I never thought, oh, I'm gonna, I, I'd be able to play in front of somebody or, or I, I could, like, play, I could learn the next part to Wicked World. It wasn't really part of that. It was just, like, you know, that, that when most people start playing music, like, they can play, like, the riff from Sex Bomb by Flipper or something for, mm-hmm. like, for three days straight
3: and right.
0: be
2: completely elated.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's true, yeah.
2: Which, <laughs> to be honest, I, I could play the riff from sex-bomb for three days straight and probably be pretty elated as well,
0: still. That's a magical song.
2: It it is mystical. Yes. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Somebody made a comment after you just told the Circus Lupus story that you have some real issues with band names because there's been other Doughboys names also.
2: Well, that's right. Well, there's a band from New Jersey called the Doughboys.
0: Yes, there is.
2: (laughs) Yeah, and and they're like... uh, Okay, I, I may be totally wrong here. But do they do they play like covers or something, or is it like a like a fifties rock and roll thing, maybe?
0: I think they are they are an older styled rock band. I'm not sure if they're a cover band or not. And
2: Yeah, uh, I know I know that, that I, I do constantly get people asking like, Oh, I heard you guys are reuniting and you're you're playing at the Stone Pony. And <laughs> I'm like, Really? No.
0: Well, like but, I didn't
2: get that call. That was so mean of those guys. And then I realized, oh, wait a minute.
0: It's those other Doughboys. And I did. I remember seeing those ads out there and saying, Oh, but then I read something online that the that the Canadian Doughboys did reunite last year. Yeah, we did. And how did that go?
2: Because I was I'm, I'm not like a nostalgic person really. Maybe about wicked the wicked world rep. I'm a little nostalgic. But uh yeah, I was always kind of we always kinda of got offers and uh John the singer was like, well, I don't know, what do you guys think? And, uh, and everybody would be like, man, yeah, maybe. And I was always kind of the guy going, no way! Mm-hmm. I'm about the future, and do-do-do. And, and so I was always kind of a stickler about it, and going, uh, and even though we're friends and stuff, it, I mean, it wasn't that. I would just rather go have dinner with the ex-members of the Doughboys than and play some of the songs with them. But So I guess I was drag-kicking and screaming, and I ended up probably having the most fun out of everybody. Oh, it was good. it was a total blast. We had to do four shows. We did two shows with the food Fighters and sort of unannounced shows. Well, that, it was because of the food Fighters that the whole thing even happened. If it wasn't for them, it, it definitely wouldn't have happened because we're all kind of scattered around the earth. John lives in L.A. Uh, Paul, the the drummer, lives in Toronto. Hmm. Uh, and me and Bond had the the bass player still live here in Montreal, but it's just like getting John to fly in. It's just like a you know a financial nightmare, and
0: that's a lot of they work. They just made it happen. Yeah,
2: okay. yeah. It was it was Gus, their their road manager. they I think they've been a road manager for almost the entirety of the Foo Fighters. He was the guy who did all of the scream shows. You know, from oh, way wow. back when in Florida, mm-hmm. and he did all of the Doughboys shows um, from way back when. So he 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 just kind of made it happen. And, and Dave's been like a friend of ours for. I mean, Scream used to stay at my house and stuff. So oh, okay, they they just said like, how much money is it going to take? And we were like, well, it's a ridiculous sum, actually. And they're like, okay, no problem. <laughs>
3: so
2: so yeah, it was it was like super fun, and the Toronto show was. Um, cool, because people flew in. Like I, I completely forgot, like that some people really like that band. I mean, I've been just so disassociated from the band for so I don't really think about the band. And we were practicing, and that was all fun. And I just thought, you know, that's what it is. And then we played this small club show that was kind of unannounced in Toronto, and like people were coming in from Wisconsin, some people flew in from. From Seattle, and you know, it was it was bananas. I completely forgot that. I guess in that era, the early '90s and late '80s, you know, the the band kind of meant a lot to, to people. And it was kind of you
0: yeah, know, you it was guys kind of were not really nice. You guys were popular. Well, yeah, yeah. I guess <laughs>
2: we were really popular in Canada.
3: Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, whatever
2: that counts for. But we we did we toured a lot. We were like on tour. I mean at one point we were on tour for an entire year um we were constantly on tour, so uh I guess like people seemed to see us whether they liked it or not well, just and from the constant touring I guess
0: well, but there was a period of time where they liked it where they definitely liked it you guys were yeah. really you know didn't weren't you guys on a major label
2: yeah we home? were on um and um during the whole uh Nirvana thing,
0: right, right. Uh,
2: where everybody and their dog was uh, was getting signed. We were, but A and M never really kind of, you know. I mean, they were signing up like there's bands called like Hammerbox and Paw, hmm. and that was like kind of their second tier band. The first tier bands being like Town Garden, I guess, right. And then we were like the low rung Canadian band. Um so yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't until like, you know, because it was kind of like a pop punk. I guess you you know, you played as we heard I mean, it was you know, it was pretty poppy, and it was like, I think once Green Day kind of blew up, then everybody A& and M was like, "Oh, we really missed the boat on this one." and then by the time that the next major label record came out, I did the record, but then I left the band pretty much when it was just about to hit the mix stage.
0: Did they put out a record after you had left? I didn't actually know that. They did. Yeah,
2: I don't think it came out in the the U.S. Oh, okay. I I left the band at that point to form Bionic. Yeah, I don't think it ever got a U.S. release. I'm sure you could find it for an incredibly reasonable price on eBay. (laughs) If anybody's interested, it's called Turn Me On. I didn't really like it, to be honest.
0: Mm. If you
2: don't have it. It's okay.
0: Well, what was going on for you that you were, um, I mean, Bionic is clearly very different than the Doughboys, so um, leaving, I mean, you obviously had something else you wanted to.
2: Like anybody who's been in a band for like eight and a half years, I think the Doughboys had definitely galvanized what they were and what they wanted to be, what the label wanted it to be, and towards the, the last couple of years of the Doughboys, you know, I just wasn't really into that, that style of, of music. Like, my favorite bands, I think, at that time, were like Jesus Lizard, Cop Shoot Cop, and The Melvins. I think that was my my holy trinity. So I, I just wanted to play, like, different kinds of music. And, and being one of the songwriters, it was like, you know, sort of different, like, producers were going, well, that doesn't really work for this record. And they're right. I mean, it, those songs didn't. But I mean, that's really where my heart was. Right. And I love pop music. I mean, I I always will. I, I consider the band I'm in now, a pop band, just very long songs. Yeah, I mean eight and a half years, I mean that was, you know, good enough. We we work really, I've never been in a band that's ever worked that hard. And and I think if you're not anybody who's in a band who's not a hundred percent behind what they're doing that they should just get off the stage. I mean it's that it's that kick out the jams kind of Philosophy that if you're not going to kick out the jams, then get off the stage. And so I got off the stage. I couldn't kick out the jams anymore.
0: Well, you could. You just wanted to kick out the jams a different way. Yeah. I like that philosophy.
2: Well, I think a lot more people should be doing it. I mean, you, you see it too. I mean, where there's like, there's bands on their fourth record and stuff, and it's obvious, like, this is not, you guys are running on fumes at
0: this point. Well, they're rewriting their second record, which was the hit record, and trying to still get that and just changing things around or whatever.
2: Exactly. And it's like, you know, it's like trying to to capture lightning in a bottle. Again, you see it all the time. The bands aren't going to constantly evolve and constantly grow, like like a band like the Melvins. If you're just going to be like doing somewhat retread, I'm not saying uh, the Doughboys were like they were crafting pop-punk and they were getting better and better at it. I mean, the, the other members of the band I just wasn't there for it I was just like, this is not my thing I never liked Green Day <laughs> Never a big never a big fan
0: Declaration time <laughs> Yeah, yeah <laughs> There's a listener comment here that says uh, Come on, the Doughboys toured with Voivod know uh, uh, we never we never
2: did But our, the Doughboys rehearsal space And Voivod's rehearsal space Were two doors away from each other uh, And we would hang out at our rehearsal space Pretty much all day And we would hang out In their rehearsal space About half the time Because they were living In the, in their rehearsal space
3: mm. But
2: when I first moved To Montreal from Toronto Like I loved Voivod I mean I, I still do I, I still think it, Along with Godspeed They're The, the Godspeed and Voivod Are the two most important bands to ever come out Of Montreal Period Wow, wow. Yeah, Easily
3: mm-hmm.
2: And uh yeah, Voivod were like a huge influence on me, and especially the bass player from the Doughboys, Bondad. He just also completely loved Voivod. Without Voivod, there would be no Neurosis. There would be no avant-garde metal. I mean, it's, I mean, their influence is immense, and and they're also the nicest people ever.
0: Absolutely. But I'm still
2: I'm still really good friends with all of Voivod. I mean, me and Blackie were forming a band about a year and a half ago. Really? Which was kind of more of a complex metal. Yeah, it lasted like five rehearsals, and then I just started. I just was not into playing complex. I can play complex music. I just wasn't into it, so I just kind of bowed out. And then Boybot got like super, super busy after that anyway.
0: Yeah, they're definitely on a, uh, they've got a momentum going on right now
2: oh yeah and, and and you know it's so deserved. It. like I'm so happy that they're really getting the second wind and they just finished the new record which I haven't heard yet but it's it's supposed to be really sim- more similar to like Dimension Hate Ross, the kind of German period of boy I'm really stoked
0: yeah Oh, um, well, you'll probably get to hear it before any of us
2: yeah oh I just <laughs> noticed that Gentleman Jim our our esteemed Doughboy's roadie is is Surprised I'm talking about the Doughboys. Mm. According do, to the w, WFMU
0: site. Oh, yeah. And why does that surprise you that you would be? Why would that surprise him?
2: Why, oh, and our, it's, it's nothing but our roadies, actually. If you go to the comments section on, <laughs> on your. It's, it's our, our roadie from Europe, Sparky. Uh, <laughs> Hi, Sparky, who we, we just threw in the van and took around Europe. He, I think he had a job to go to the next day and he just went. That's I'll go in the van. <laughs> uh, Gentlemen, Jim too is is he, he wrote it for SNFU and Seven oh. Seconds and oh. a ton of other bands, and that does sound somewhere in New Jersey. Um, oh, and yeah, he made it out to our reunion shows. Oh, cool! Uh, he was also the bass player in Crucial Youth.
3: Oh, wow! I don't know if
2: anybody remembers that band. They mm-hmm. were a faux straight edge band. <laughs> faux. <laughs> they were pretty well. They actually were straight edge, but they. They they were more kind of comedic about the whole straight edge
0: thing. Oh, good. Well, the the it straight was, edge scene definitely always needed somebody to laugh about. You know, yeah. what they were being so staunch about. Can't yeah. can't do that.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like shooting fish in
0: a barrel, really. Was, yeah. Oh, that's very funny. Well, there there are uh, there are regular listeners on the uh, the comments board as well. Hopefully, we'll get a few more questions during our music break. Um, and you are here to be a guest DJ.
2: Just because i I'm. I'm a complete music nerd. Yeah. So th- this is this is awesome.
0: So introduce the first song that is uh, that you have chosen for us. Oh geez, I don't have my
2: playlist in front of me. What did I choose? You were. I'll you, tell you this: that I chose that within like uh, ever, everything in like two seconds. Oh okay. I know they're good.
0: They're they're great, and we were just talking about the first band. The first band that's on your playlist is from Montreal.
2: Oh, <laughs> Voivodville. Voivod. Uh, and... Yeah, well uh, I mean, again, it's like You know, like even speaking With, like, I mentioned Godspeed earlier And I, I don't. I'm hope, hopefully, hopefully I'm not like Name-checking or, or, or Whatever, but uh, Me and Ephraim from Godspeed were talking And we were talking about the old Montreal days, as, as most Older punk dudes will Tend to do, and He was even like, and I was shocked Because I'm a huge Godspeed fan And he, he was like you know, if it wasn't for, like, stuff like Boy Bada, I don't even know if Godspeed would have even been around. And for me to hear that, I was like, that's so amazing. Those guys are, like, still really, like, Michelle away. The drummer is constantly playing with other bands, played in this band called On, A-U-N, which people should definitely check out. They have records on, on like, Denna Valley and stuff, but it's very much drone soundscape. I know there's a ton of that stuff out there with only about a 10% bracket that's any good, but th- this guy is just a genius. And Michelle was playing with him for a long time, and he's just been playing with all of these experimental bands. To hear his drumming style in this uh, experimental field that's not Voivod is just so amazing because it's just such a perfect fit. I just love it, too, that kids are getting into Voivod now. Like, kids are like...
1: Yeah, there's yeah. Like a, there's a and, rediscovery. I mean, if you look for something
2: like Tribal Convictions and maybe mm-hmm. put that up against, like... You know, mid-period neurosis kind of stuff or even ISIS They're on a lot of tech metal bands I think it becomes really obvious what their influence is and I think it's because of all these bands like Sepultura, etc. who are always, like when we heard Voivod it changed our lives kind of thing and I think it's a lot of younger people now that are, are really getting into that band and that just really means a lot being a Montrealer I, mean, I, I can't say enough about it Voivod. I, I just love
0: them. You're definitely in uh, in like company here, because they are for sure my favorite band, and uh, my listeners know that. We're going to go to some Voivod. What better way to go in than to have a proud Montre? is it Montrealian?
2: Montrealer.
0: Montrealer, sorry. A proud Montrealer singing the praises of Voivod. So my guest is Jonathan Cummins. He will be programming for the next hour. His first choice on the playlist is Voivod. Stay tuned. And we have returned. My guest is Jonathan Cummins. Are you there, sir?
2: I am indeed here. All
0: righty. Hello. Welcome back. Oh,
2: so yeah. uh, so do, did you dig that set?
0: Yeah, totally. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about why you chose. We already talked about Voivod. Next was XTC.
2: Yeah. It, I've just, it's been, I mean, I'm not a fan of all XTC stuff. I mean, I'll always listen to it because I think Andy Partridge is a, a pop genius. Yeah. Mm. Um, I mean, he's, he's definitely a man whose his pop craft is, is something like you know I I completely respect. But that song, in particular, I thought people might be a little bit surprised because it's such a dark, drony kind of tribal kind of sounding song. And in fact, Bionic that, that's one of my favorite songs of all time. And Bionic, my band, I think we were talking about the Doughboys, my band after the Doughboys, Bionic. Who played actually in the studio at, at WFMU back yes. in the day?
0: Yes, yes, big friends um, of FMU.
2: Yeah, we we covered that that XTC song um, and kind of I guess updated it a little bit. But I mean, if if anybody's like thinking about because I, I know that there's a lot of heavy stuff that that's played on the show, but if, if uh, uh, anybody out there is like kind of thinking about pop music and and it, it, where it doesn't completely suck and it isn't completely vapid. Uh, a good starting point would be uh, XTC's Black Sea record which, mm-hmm. which that song is off of oh, uh, yeah, like, You can usually pick it up used For like four bucks
0: And it's funny because you were talking about that song being very dark But also on that album is like Respectable Street and Generals and Majors yeah, like from, it's... Do
2: you remember Erg and Music War They did Respectable Street on that mm-hmm. um, Yeah I mean it's, it's a very It's a varied record And, and usually my, my favorite records are Records that kind of take you on a trip a little bit as opposed to just saying this is what we are um, and that records kind of all over the place and it's it's just it's it's awesome
0: uh, speaking of all over the place your playlist then took a turn into nadia's long dark twenties
2: to me that's not that that much of a sharp turn but maybe <laughs> for some people it was uh... Yeah, yeah yeah nadia's also a band that over the past uh, aiden baker who's one half of the deal of nadia uh is like really opened me up to minimalist composition and, and just, you can say it's minimalist composition, but I mean, the guy he sometimes he's up to over a hundred tracks per song, but I guess when some people have <clears throat> called him a drone artist, which is kind of sad because he's so much more than that. But, uh, um, I think mean, he, they're literally a band. They're from Toronto and just moved about a year and a half ago to Berlin.
3: Oh, wow. um,
2: yeah, and uh, because I mean they, they they just do so much better in Europe than, than in North America. I mean the guy is one of the most prolific composers. Uh, I mean I think last year or the year before that he put out twenty three records. <laughs> and, and because I have OCD, I have to have every single vinyl copy of Nadia. So I've probably spent easily over three hundred bucks finding Nadia records, of which. I'm still coming through discogs.com and stuff, looking for stuff mm-hmm. I don't have. Oh, well, it's good um, to know
0: that you're a vinyl collector. I
2: am a big time vinyl collector. That's kind of my, my addiction. Mm-hmm. And uh, and But not especially, it's just, you know, I mean, they're on such like amazing labels like Deno Valley and Aurora Borealis. Uh, the End, um, just a ton of amazing labels and the packaging is always great. And even though he puts out 23 records a year, or I should say, the uh, duo, um, it's, it's always like super high quality. The guy's just like a huge talent. And, uh, and we're, we're a huge influence on, on my band, uh, USA out of Vietnam, who are, uh, use a lot of drone, kind of stuff similar to, to what Aiden Baker does. And, in Nadia
0: and is USA Out of Vietnam a full band?
2: Oh yeah, we yeah we, we uh, and now we've never been more of a band in our lives. So the record finally done. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there's five of us, I guess, in total. Oh great. Uh, yeah and yeah it's probably it's easily the most satisfying um, and yet labor intensive band I've, I've ever been in. So I'm, I'm really, We're all really. Really stoked on it. And I'm just super lucky because the, the people in the band are, you know, just really, really talented, open-minded people. I don't think any of us really listen to the same kind of music at all.
0: Oh, cool. Uh,
2: but we all like pop music. But everybody plays in other bands. Um, the, our keyboard player plays in a doom band. That's amazing. Called and Sorcerer. Our guitar player plays in a. Old school kind of thrash metal band called To the Cliffs. Uh, our drummer was doing a lot of improv electronic kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so we all completely and oh, and our, our bass player uh, plays in a punk rock band called Trigger Effect, who are going to be on tour in the U.S. Oh,
0: uh, in them. Um, yeah. so we all
2: have very disparate influences.
0: Mm-hmm. Neat. And uh, and you're on. You've got a band camp page that looks. Pretty full. Oh yeah, yeah,
2: um, yeah. Right now, it's it's. I think you played two songs in your set so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, the two songs that you haven't played are actually up on the Bandcamp, so people are f- are free to stream that. Uh, we're still schlepping the record around. We just started mm-hmm. the, the the completely heart emptying thing of sending out files to record labels in, in two thousand and twelve. Yeah, uh, and getting form letters back, going due to the you know so uh, hopefully some maybe a label will hear it on this show, <laughs> and I'll, the next time I'll, I'll be on the show, I'll be a huge rock star.
0: There you go. Does that happen anymore?
2: No, I don't. I don't. You know, I think it's an interesting time. That I think it's like it's it's really the people that are passionate about what they do and have jobs pay their rent when they're not on tour are the people that are kind of rising to the top a little bit right um and i think that is i mean it reminds me of of when i was in hardcore when i was a kid uh, because there was no way you were going to get signed sst or frontier at the time Mm -hmm. you know it just seemed like world's way you just did it because you know you had to do it Right, it was like in your blood, and I, I I see a lot of bands, especially here in Montreal. I see a lot of bands that are definitely have that spirit, so I, I think it's really cool.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, that's it, it. Does seem to sort of leave the last man standing as the as the man who cares, not the man who wants to make the money. Yeah, exactly.
2: I mean, there's no money to be made, which is you know, but it's art. It's <laughs> you know, I mean, it's it's unfortunately part of the the creative process is. The the ending of the creative process is sharing. Yeah, I mean inevitably, I mean that's part of the process. I find personally for me. So now we're just trying to share it, and then once we do that, then I I guess we just work on another record and start the whole thing all over again. Start
0: sharing some more. So so to to get uh, material by USA out of Vietnam, you can go to usaoutofvietnam.bandcamp.com if you're not familiar with the band camp thing. And there there are two songs up there, and you've got some lovely artwork. Yeah, and, the um, artwork's
2: incredible. It was, um, probably a lot of U.S. people might not have heard of this band, but there was a band from Montreal called Tricky Woo.
1: They oh, uh, yeah.
2: were just awesome. They were like a full-bore rock and roll band. And Andrew Dixon from uh, Tricky Woo did did the album art work, which... And he did it actually just as we were starting to re- the, the recording and we were still writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that really made us step it up. Like we looked at the artwork and just went, okay, we just can't put crap.
3: <laughs> and, and, and,
2: you know, we, if this is going to be the artwork adorning it, so it really made us, the, the artwork was actually a huge influence uh, on the music. Oh, neat. Mm-hmm. Very anyway, cool. actually, Andrew was in the band for about five months as well, so. But the artwork is killer.
0: It is. Yes. Ladies yeah. and gentlemen, it is killer. It's right here in, in front of me and it can be in front of you if you go to mm-hmm. their Bandcamp site. It's USA out of Vietnam just straight through .bandcamp.com. And you guys have uh, gigs coming up or you go to show August 10th?
2: Yeah, we're playing, uh, we're playing if anybody's listening from Montreal, uh, we're playing at Casa del Popolo which is like one of the best, most awesome venues in the city.
0: Do you have any uh, plans to come to the U.S.?
2: It, it, people, well, I guess they're allowed. I guess we'll, we'll let them in. But if if you if you are in Montreal, we're we're playing on Friday, August, at Casa del Popolo, and, uh, and we're with uh, a local artist called Micamia, which is very kind of minimalist folk uh, psych. It's mm-hmm. really she, she. just put out a record called Sparsity Blues. That's just amazing.
0: Wow, cool. Yeah. Do you have any plans to come to the United States? Oh, I see. Yeah, definitely.
2: Um, we're, yeah, we're actually right in the middle of buying a van right oh. now. So we're kind of like hoping that we could get the record out, and then and then I mean all of us really really want to tour some members of the band have never even been on tour before oh wow and yeah and touring for me is like this is the longest i've gone in my life without touring and i'm now realizing i'm a lifer um i'm just dying to get out on tour again i mean i think that's that's a completely important part of being a band i think you can be a band just playing your local town, but you don't really become a band until you're sleeping on some, you know, punker kids' floor next to the cat litter.
0: Well, until you're making sacrifices to be exactly, a band.
2: exactly, and yeah. it, and then it, the, the common goal becomes a little bit more galvanized mm-hmm. uh, amongst you know a sort of different people.
0: Right, right.
2: Um, so yeah, that is most definitely the plan.
0: Good. Well, we look forward to you sleeping on a couch nearby.
2: Yeah. <laughs> we don't take up much room. We're very polite. Well, we are Canadian after all, so we're very polite.
0: Is that one of those like rules, those sort of unwritten rules about being Canadian? Like, we're you, ha- very, you have very to be polite. polite. You have to be polite. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: and clean. We're very clean. Oh, good. Yeah, so please give us your couches.
0: Excellent. Excellent. So we do hope that uh, USA out of Vietnam does get to find their way. And you know, New York, New Jersey's not too far. So uh, mm-hmm. maybe we'll do something, something live awesome. here. Um, my guest is Jonathan Cummins, who is in uh, USA out of Vietnam, as well as having been in Bionic and uh, Doughboys. I guess those are your, your larger things. Um, you had, um, can you talk about being in the Besnard Lakes? Or oh, was yeah, was it yeah. there, yeah?
2: Um, God, I mean, okay. Bedford Lakes are up there with Boyvod and Godspeed for me. Um, uh, I, I mean, it's a little weird because uh, Jace, the singer, is one of my best friends, and they, I was just filling in. Like I was, they were like, "Oh, can you play these shows?" and I was like, "Okay." And I'd only seen them like once before. I was pretty much blown away, but I was like, "Okay, I get this band." It's like. Uh, my Bloody Valentine meets Comments on Fire, kind of thing. It's when they first started, I mean, they were like searingly loud, like really super loud, which they aren't anymore. Mm. So when I joined the band, or when I was filling in for the band for about like six months, in fact, the last time I was in New York was with the Best Nerd Lakes. We played at Luna Lounge, opening for the singer for Stereo Lab. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, but I was terrible in the band. Like, unfortunately, <laughs> there's all this like YouTube footage, and I was like, because I thought, like, okay, it's going to be like Comets on Fire, and I just had, like, my fuzz pedal on 10, you know, searing wah, taking people's heads off. And it wasn't until about after about five shows that Jace finally said, dude, why are you playing at, like, this ridiculous volume and just doing noise? And I was like, well, I thought that's what your band was. And He's like, no, we're a pop band. So, <laughs> you know, they got another guitarist, and and uh, I left Bionic in USA U.S.A. Vietnam, and then I went and saw them, and I was like, blown away, and realized, oh my God, did I ever get it wrong? And if, if anybody's ever seen the Besnard Lakes live, it's it's like a pretty phenomenal experience, um, and I think it's it's somebody mentioned Beach Boys. I think are compared USA and Vietnam to the yeah. Meets. I don't think it. I think the Beach Boys' influence on Besnard Lakes is is a lot more evident. But I mean, just playing when I started USA and Vietnam, it was like two bands that really kind of made me want to break up Bionic, who I I still love to this day. But just wanted me to be different is I I played in, uh, there's a minimalist composer from New York, famous somewhat called Reese Chatham and I got to play his guitar trio piece which is super minimalist, in fact it's one note Uh, and when I did that it was, I actually like felt musical ascension I I wasn't aware of my surroundings and it was like a life changing experience and the other one was just enjoying pop craft was the best hard legs i mean it that those were the two things that made me want to start u.s.a out of vietnam hmm
0: so, too extremely
2: kind of weird because yeah. he's my friend like when, whenever we hang out and have beers we don't talk about his band but then when i go and see them i'm like i, I don't even recognize him i can't believe that i actually know the guy he did, it, he turns into a different kind of person
0: mm. But that, and that's really interesting that you recounted that because they're two extremely different experiences, which then you managed yeah, to put yeah, together. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's like,
2: I don't have that. Everybody has these like cliques, and and I I just don't like I I get the, I can get the same experience from Steve Reich as I can listening to Black Flag. Damaged. I mean, I mm-hmm. it's, it's whatever gets the the goosebumps going. It's it's the same thing for me.
0: And you managed to segue the goosebumps into USA out of Vietnam. Yeah,
2: I think it's... I do actually... Uh, all of us in, in, in the band who've played, who been playing in bands forever, we do kind of get this like kind of emotional release that we have not gotten out of other bands. And we're really... We're, we're excited about USA out of Vietnam for, I think, the right reasons.
3: Yeah.
2: Which is a rarity because usually you'll have like one band member who's maybe not as passionate about music or is playing his instrument for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. But but in this is one of the first times that I've ever been surrounded by people that are doing it for the right reasons.
0: That's great. That's yeah. The, yeah that's that is really great. And and I know that it's easy for you to segue all types of different things because of who you are and what you bring to music, but it's not that easy, you know. I mean, to be able to actually combine such such variety and then make you know, one band that works. So, um you know yeah, well, Pat yourself on the back.
2: Yeah. We're awesome. <laughs> <laughs> there there I said it. <laughs> My God, what an incredible band we are.
0: There you go. Good. Now the guys yeah. on the on the comments board will will start. Oh no,
2: I'm waiting now. <laughs> oh it sounds bait.
0: Oh. So um what's uh what's next on your playlist?
2: Oh oh uh do you have the Desert Lakes?
0: Do you not? I do.
2: Oh uh yeah, I, I had a problem. I'm actually play on that record, uh, but I didn't even really remember. I think I was in the studio for like four hours. And uh, you but know, th- they just finished their new record, mm-hmm. and like I love the records you're just about to play. I love everything they've done, but the new record was is just epic. It's it's insane. I I it should I think it's coming out on Jag Jaguar. Uh, in the next six months, but <clears throat> basically the minute there's Jason Studio is like a block away from my house. So oh, wow. the minute they finished the final mix, uh, they checked the mix on the stereo. We had it blasting, and like I, I just I couldn't believe it. It was um, if you're fans, if you're a fan of like really well crafted, well orchestrated. Pop music, the Besnard Lakes are definitely a band you're going to want to check out.
0: And and which album were you on?
2: The Besnard Lakes are the Dark Horse.
0: Oh, cool. Okay. Good.
2: <clears throat> I'm not sure if I played. I think you're playing Devastation.
0: Yes. Yeah. I think
2: I actually played on. I played on like three tracks. I think on on that record.
0: Very good. So that is what we're going to hear next the besnard lakes off of the besnard lakes are the dark horse the track is devastation my peer pressure guest today is jonathan cummins and we will be back shortly stay tuned Mr. Blue Sky, Mr. Jonathan Cummins, are you there? I'm here. All right. Well, thank you for playing that. There's a lot of people out there that are like, hell yeah, Mr. Blue Sky.
2: (laughs) Yeah, well, yeah, I hope I didn't freak anybody out by playing ELO. But these current obsessions, I guess I got, I just started getting more and more into like epic, kind of like overproduced kind of stuff, like just, you know, where there's like 200 tracks going on, and I'm just like, wow, how did they do that? I mean, those kind of records to me are still like, you know, because I can't put my finger on it. I, I produce a lot of bands, so I can go, oh, they're using this compressor and uh, the 1176 compressor on this part. But Jeff Lynn, like, when he was in yellow, because it's still all pretty much analog recording um, and using, you know, uh, vintage from the 70s, or I guess was topical at the time, but uh, kind of outboard gear. I, it's, to this day, I'm still like, oh, my God, just the tape edits that this guy would have done is just insane to realize his vision.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, if you, yeah, that's, and, yeah, and, that's and, a great and ELO
2: point. Is, we, 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 with, with USA out of Vietnam, with art record, when we were talking to Howard Billerman, who recorded the record here in Montreal, he was like, okay, well, what what are you guys kind of going for? And we were like, well, it's kind of heavy, but we're really... It's supposed to be a heavy ELO record. And then he was, like, kind of laughing and so we started tracking, and then he quickly realized, oh, they weren't kidding with the ELO part. So that ELO was, like, a huge influence on, on us recording the record. I mean, we didn't have much money, but we wanted it to sound like Jeff Lynn produced it in 1978.
0: When you made the point about, like, all the edits and that kind of thing to make that record. There there isn't that in the digital recording process now, too. So yeah, I mean, when
2: you actually, we did edits in Pro Tools, but when you listen to those records, I mean, when you listen to these, you know, like Rumors and these gigantic million-dollar records or, or that Lo record, uh, it's just like my... God, like, how did these people, I thought we were being labor intensive, and our, our our record was the most, by a country mile, the most labor intensive record I've ever been part of, but then you listen to ELO, and you're like, this is, our thing was like a cakewalk compared to this stuff, I mean, it's <laughs> it's, it's there's just so much going on, and it's, and it, but it's not, Superfluous. It's it's bold, and the the parts that are going on are meant to be there. It just also opened me up to like, I mean, I I got to chart for a brass section. And I got to chart for um, <clears throat> a string trio, which i you know I'm a dumb rock guy. I'd never done that before, and it was like I kind of listening to Yellow that kind of made me want to like go beyond the typical rock format of guitar, bass, drums, and locals I mean I think Jeff Lynn at the at the I mean yeah their ElO has some clunkers for sure and the later period is unlistable and their Prague early period is pretty boring but I mean when he centered in on like okay I'm gonna take my influences of Roy Orbison the Beatles uh, and the Hollies and make this giant record I mean which he did about three to four records of the time that I just thought were like I'm like why did it take me so long to discover this band uh, it, it, yeah I just and so then I bought all their records for like two bucks you know mm-hmm. I mean they're so cheap and just completely dove in
0: they are an easy catch up in the uh, in the used record bin.
2: Yeah, Mark. number one with a bullet in the used bin. So yeah, <laughs> I, I would anybody who's if anybody record shopping check the used bins. You'll see an ELO record for two bucks. It's most definitely even if you hate it, it only costs two bucks. Mm-hmm. But I think it's definitely worth picking up.
0: Oh yeah, and then uh, before you played ELO, you played Yezu.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, and Justin Broderick. It, again, the, the, both of those things to me are is the same kind of feeling for me. Um, I mean, it was like bands like Godflesh that kind of got me, Justin Broderick's band before mm-hmm. Jezu, that kind of really got me into uh, more like, elect- I mean, I'd been listening to Big Black before that, but, which was obviously, and in, in, in the Swans as well, which were obviously huge influence on Justin Broderick, but, uh, that kind of got me a little bit more into electronic music. And when Jezu came out, I mean he is such a craftsman behind the board and Jay-Z at first I didn't because I was such a big fan of Godflesh which was this brutal pummeling beast you know very much <laughs> styled on early Swans and Jay-Z with this the Jay-Z track that we just played I mean that is a major key pop song so that was also like a huge influence as well more for me as a songwriter because I was like wait a minute, if we slow these things down and through uses of frequencies we can make pop music not sound so lame. Like pop music can be heavy and I mean, I, I consider USA and Vietnam the band I play and a pop band but I also consider us like a really heavy band and you know I don't think that we've ever come as close as as Jezu, which was such a bold thing for him to do because he had such a rich history and all these fans of his more brutal side, and to come out and just go, I really like Teenage Fan Club, of which I found out, you know, he's a huge fan of Teenage Fan Club, and, and so am I, that Van esque record. And I'm like, it suddenly clicked for me. I was like, oh my God, just... Not, not that we sound like Jezu, but but to that idea... Um, it just kind of really appeals to me. Mm-hmm. It, it's like a new challenge. And, and he's is, he is a genius at it.
0: Oh, absolutely. Then, of course, at the beginning of the set was the Besnard Lakes, which you talked about, the track Devastation. And uh, I wanted to ask you a little bit about your day job, if you're uh, okay with yeah. that. Yeah. Cause yeah. Yeah. I, I
2: no, no, totally. Uh, I guess that people are like, my God, what a nerd this guy is. They're they're Right.
0: Well, and you um, you have a lot to do with the Montreal music scene. Yeah, I,
2: for, for six, the past 16 years, uh, I wrote for the, basically the, the alt-weekly here called the Montreal Mirror, which I did features as well as record reviews every week, but I also did a column in the Mirror called Punkus, Rockus, Rex that was <laughs> pretty much... Uh, hoping to expose people to the local music scene here, which I'm sure, as you know, is is continuing to explode. Uh, there was no shortage of stuff to write about every week. I mean, there's just so much going on in Montreal.
0: I would like to just cut in and say, at some point, I do want you to recommend some local bands to the listeners. Oh yeah, to yeah.
2: Me. There's my God. There's so many. So, did you want me to recommend them now?
0: If you if you want to rattle off a few but I don't want to sure, lose a train I mean, of thought. There's where you like were at.
2: Um, for for people who are like fans of uh soundscapes and even you know krautrock kind of leanings uh, there's a band called the uh, The Army which is a guy named Eric Koch. He's put out a lot of releases actually with Nadia and toured a lot in Europe with Aiden Baker as well as Nadia. And he has like just tons of stuff out on on Den Valley and <clears throat> it's a lot of soundscape kind of stuff, like similar to novella and, and things like that. But uh, lately, he's been adding kind of uh, propulsive beats into his thing, and it's really awesome. It's a bit more of a krautrock kind of influence, and I, I think he's amazing. Uh, there's another <clears throat> person called Ah, that Michelle from Voivod played with for a while. Who also has a lot of releases out on Death Valley and. He's more of an ambient kind of artist, and he's just incredible. I mean, it, it just in that circle, of course, there's Tim Hecker, which is uh, fairly big in, in experimental and drone circles and electronic circles. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just saw him with Stephen O'Malley from Sun as I mentioned earlier in the show. That yeah. He was just incredible. Yeah. Um, there's a, a, a duo called Mike Mio who's been blowing my mind. I, I also mentioned as a record called sparsity blues, it's very in the, the slow core kind of thing like codeine and, and low uh, and, but has a bit of a cat power thing as well. I mean, there's just, there's so many amazing like noise bands and, and punk rock bands. Um, it's just such a drag that outside of Montreal, we're still mainly. I, I'm assuming because Arcade Fire and, and the Deers and bands like that, we're still known as this kind of like V-neck sweater pop city outside of the city, and, and it's such a drag because there's really amazing bands happen here. I mean, there's a band called The Great Sabatini that's very M-Rep kind of influenced mm. and but like this super heavy. Um, God, there's so many bands that are not part of that fairly small pop clique. Right. Um, Good. That, that's yeah. It seems that we're exporting a lot of pop. I, I would think.
0: Well, it seems that way, but that's yeah. just from an outsider and from what kind of what gets big, which is you know ten steps behind what's what's actually happening in Montreal.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, there's tons of venues in Montreal. There's, like, tons and tons of DIY venues uh, happening right now, which is, like, the most... Because it's 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 making people excited to go to shows. You know, they grab their own Sixers. It's, it's like a party atmosphere. They're being exposed to, to bands that they would have never been exposed to. Another cool thing in Montreal is its bills are really varied. It's not like... All punk rock bands playing, and I, 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 that's been happening a lot more now. And I think it's because Montrealers tend to be a lot more open to other styles of music as opposed to just like one kind of kind of music. And I think that's been really, really helping the Montreal mm. music scene a lot.
0: Cool, because you were a features writer and a columnist.
2: Yeah, writer. in the Montreal Mirror, and mm. and the Montreal Mirror was owned by this giant corporation called Quebec Corps who hated the paper uh, which was somewhat of a lefty it was an Anglophone paper owned by I'm not turning into a linguistic issue but they just did not get it hated it so they pulled the plug on that and all of the writers and most of the editors uh, I'd say like 75% of the writers and editors from the mirror formed a website called Cult Montreal that is Going great guns, and I'm doing a weekly column in uh, at Cult Montreal, uh, CultMontreal.com, called Hammer of the Mods, and it's basically an an extension of the column I was doing in the Montreal Mirror. So, if anybody is coming to Montreal or or is just interested in maybe what's really going on in Montreal, um, they they can read my column. Oh, neat! uh, Yeah, weekly.
0: Very cool. Yeah, I just clicked on there. Nice. And then uh, I, I hear that you, you've got a residency coming up also.
2: Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm really doing a lot of how do you like me now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it, it is streamable. Uh, the, the, the radio station here in Montreal, CKOT, which is awesome, uh, does an artist residency, and I am doing the month of August. Uh, from every Tuesday at three o'clock to five o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Also called Hammer of the Mods. It's a lot of talking, which I can be fairly verbose
3: for yes. people who haven't
2: turned the dial yet. <laughs> um, and and again, it's it's like doing what I love. It's like you know playing records that uh, that you know changed my life. So I'm really, really stoked. I mean, it's my fav- this is my favorite thing, is to play records and talk about it. I, it's literally my favorite thing in the world. Oh,
0: good. So this is like your warm-up for your, your residency, then?
2: Yeah, yeah. I'm super, super excited about it. If, if anybody wants to tune in, CKT... C- uh, can you say that a little slower? 3 o'clock to 5. C- Sorry?
0: C-K-U-T? Yeah, I think
2: okay. it's CKT.com. Yeah, okay.
0: I just... Uh, uh, it was going by so quickly. I know that I had a hard time hearing it, except that I had the information already. So I just want to let the listeners know that it is on, C K U T, and see mm-hmm. if it's a com or .dot org, and uh, that's um, that. That's really great. That's very yeah. Quality. I guarantee
2: I'll play more E L O.
0: Well, is there anything else that you want people to know?
2: Um, what do I want people to know? Well, you know what I, will, I, I do want people to know?
0: What?
2: It's a fun fact. Uh, here's a fun fact for listeners. It's what maybe a lot of people don't know, but uh, me and Diane have the same tattoo of the same band. <laughs> yeah. You uh. didn't think I was going to launch that one. Wow. Uh, kind of we both that. have Devo tattoos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Except you have the first record, though, right? Yes, I do. Yeah. Yeah, I have I have duty now for the future,
0: which is such an amazing record. That's actually ah, my favorite God, Devo record. That
2: was the record yeah. that I learned how to play guitar. I just played that record over and over again, wow. and and try and learned the entire record. And nice. so I think it took a summer. Wow. Yeah, and uh, including all the keyboard parts and everything. But but here's where it gets even weirder. So Doughboys, if you just tuned in. There was Doughboys played. I used to play in a, in a band called the Doughboys, which was played earlier on. And we just reunited and did two shows with the Foo Fighters.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And some person at the show goes, Oh, yeah, do you know? It's, I don't really I don't know the band that much, but you know the bass player who I know is in Sunny Day Real Estate, but I don't remember his name? He has a Devo tattoo as well. And I'm like, No way. So we're talking. I'm like, Hey, man, somebody told me that you know, have a Devo tattoo. And he's like, yeah, check it out. And he has the same tattoo, I'm not kidding, of the, you know, the duty now for the future emblem with mm-hmm. the beaker and the...
0: Yeah, and, the, and the, the atomic symbol.
2: Yeah, I have it on my calf. He has it on his calf. <laughs> and I was going, no way! And uh, I, I'm assuming now, like, to a Foo Fighters fan or something, I just look like a complete dolt that I just copied some guy's tattoo.
0: <laughs> no, I think that there is. He could have his own influences. I mean, Devo was, was early and far reaching. Yeah. And uh, I it,
2: I did, did you, Have you seen them lately?
0: Um, I saw them last year, yeah.
2: I saw them two years ago. At, mm-hmm. at, there was a big festival here in Montreal called Oceaga, which is oddly enough happening this weekend and they played the small stage and it was just mind-blowingly good i couldn't believe i'm really like not into these reunion shows usually because i'm usually really let down like seeing the bad brains now oh yeah you can't go see the crushing experience you can't yeah you can't do that you can't do that
0: You, you can go see devo that's, you can be yes.
2: Devo, and it's amazing. Yeah, it is. So they had this this huge light wall that they, the all the power went out, <laughs> so the entire light rig went out. And I'm not even kidding. <clears throat> Gronies went up to the stage with mag lights and just shone them, shined them, shunned them in their face, and they they put, they finished the rest of the set. It was one of the most awesome things. Wow. I'd ever seen. Oh, yeah. that's cool. Yeah, yeah, it was amazing.
0: I mean, I, you know. I don't have that many band tattoos, but I wouldn't get a, get a large Devo tattoo lightly. I, yeah, c- the only band tattoo get. I have. Yeah, yeah, not mine, but, but uh, and, and I have had on some of my other band tattoos, I have seen the exact same tattoo and the exact same placement on people. Really? Yeah, my Voivod That's such tattoo. a bummer. Yeah. No, it's not. Actually, well, I guess it depends on who it is, and that's a whole other conversation. Um, yeah. But I do want to get to, we want to play one more track. Oh,
2: yeah. So, <laughs> sorry. Once I get, I've had too much coffee, and once I get talking, I don't stop. Oh, there
0: he goes. But, but before you introduce the track, um, just because we're going to go after that, I just want to thank you for. Oh, for. for no for coming way, on the Diane.
2: Show. Thank you so much. I had so much fun. Oh uh, God. Yeah, I I love doing this. This is this is great. And Thanks I, a lot.
0: And I love your kick out the jams philosophy, and just you know you have so much to contribute to the world of music in many different ways on many different levels. So thank you.
2: Oh well, awesome. Thank thank you so much.
0: And what are we playing next?
2: Let's see what do we got? God, I can't remember. What did we What did we come we up were with? We're
0: gonna play "Like a Lamb."
2: Oh my God! Okay, yeah. I this is our poppy <laughs> Sorry, the, the rest of the record is, is kind of a little heavy. Um, yeah, this one was the we wrote a week before we went into the studio, and uh, our guitarist, Brendan, kind of came up with the, the main parts of the song, and then um, I wrote the lyrics, but I forced him to sing it, and he was like, but I don't sing. And I'm like, well, you're singing now. Oh, good. Because this is it's your song and, and he was like, but I don't sing And I was like, I don't care This, is, this. So I've created a monster And now he, he wants to sing all the time But uh, okay. I, I, this one, I, I mean, I don't know I don't ever listen to anything I do But I listen to this song Like out of every record I've ever made
3: mm-hmm. This
2: is the only one I'm comfortable listening to And I've actually listened to it a fair amount Which is kind of Weird. Oh, good. I've never let's do a single band I've ever been in ever. And the, this song I just keep going back to because uh, I can just remember Brendan singing it in the studio and I'm, I'm getting goosebumpy just talking about it. Oh,
0: good. Well, let's let the listeners get goosebumpy. And uh, this is uh, USA out of Vietnam with uh, Leg of Lamb. And uh, I'm going to start that and then I'm going to come back on the line with you for a second. Thank you. My guest has been Jonathan Cummins. Thank you very much for appearing. And uh, yeah,
2: thanks. thanks a lot, Diane, and thanks to WFMU.
0: Oh yeah, and USA out of Vietnam does have the band camp, so make sure you can check them out on uh, UC out All right, so here we go. Stay tuned. Mm-hmm. Thank Jonathan Cummins for joining me on the program today, and uh, that is USA Out of Vietnam, and that is that track is called Leg of Lamb. And you can hear more USA Out of Vietnam on their Bandcamp, uh, USAOutofVietnam.bandcamp.com, and I would suggest really listening to the archive of the radio show to begin with from August second, twenty twelve. So you can hear all of Jonathan's choices and some of the songs before that we talked about before he came on. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Jonathan. Thank you for listening. Diane Kamikaze for WFMU. Follow me on Instagram at Diane Kamikaze. And send me feedback or requests of Encore presentations diane at wfmu.org. And that concludes another podcast episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. More on the way. I am Diane Kamikaze. Check my Twitter and my Instagram. Handle is one word, Diane Kamikaze. Kamikaze ends with an E. On Facebook, you can find me as Diane Kamikaze, Farris, rocker for life and making a difference. The full link to my uh, index of shows and podcasts is can be found on wfmu.org slash playlists slash DK. That's a capital D and a capital K. I'm going to be working on Encore presentations, and I've got years of interviews and podcasts. So if there's something that you'd like to see reposted that you missed, please get in touch. Send me email, diane at wfmu.org. And be sure to subscribe to the show. And if you like it, please rate it and review it. Wow. WFMU. Peer pressure. Thank you. See you next time.